Monica Perez waking Atlanta up to the true threats to our liberty right here on 95.5 WSB every Saturday from 3 to 6. I am on today from 3 to 6. A lot of times I move around, but if you want to hear my producer Binkley and I discussing the news of the week uh, every single day, we do a podcast called the Drive Time News Blast, which is exactly what it is. You can find it on our website, thepropreport.com. And this way, if you haven't heard this show so far, if you're just tuning in, we are in the midst of a very important discussion about about we were talking about the kind of pre-crime legislation that I think is coming down and how it ties in with this uh, Edward Snowden's latest book tour. So if you want to hear that, we're going to post that during the Drive Time News Blast slot every single day on thepropreport.com. And I did a companion piece with Pete from Freeman Beyond the Wall. He's going to put that up Sunday at midnight so that first thing Monday morning you can hear us kind of dig a little deeper on the Snowden stuff. Right now, Binkley and I are laying out what Snowden in what was basically a propaganda dump or a lecture on the Joe Rogan show recently. Really bizarre. You're going to want to hear some of the clips we played to get your mind around like how uh how contrived this guy is and what he has to say and then just before the break we had a call from nefertiti who was referring to a previous discussion about social media i think but she pointed out that if you if you take the two positions offered by either side and you aim somewhere in the middle you'll probably find the truth and that may be true i believe actually Well, that reminds me of what I thought was an Aristotelian thing. I'm an anarcho-capitalist, and I people who freak out about that because I just think that a self-limiting government is a utopian fantasy. It's not going to happen. Our government is not limiting itself because we wrote stuff on a piece of paper. But we can defend that piece of paper and stand together and, I think, kick this can of tyranny down the road, which is why I'm here. But I believe that there's really ultimately... This monopoly of force is just never going to remain uncorrupted. So I so I'm an anarcho-capitalist and I just tell people, if you just aim for where I am, it's so far from where we are now. We're going to end up in a better place than we are now because we are really losing control to the people at the top. But there's an abuse of this principle. It's called the dialectic. It's it's this thesis, antithesis, synthesis or in more Actually, the words that are more relevant to what we're talking about right now, more clear, problem, reaction, solution. So in order to say the policymakers want to impart a policy, impose a policy that we would object to, that diminishes our rights, for example, or changes the nature of our our culture, our system, how we appeal to government, how we make laws, how we vote, anything that they want to do that that will undermine the very valid, good, strong, but reasonable protections that were given to us in the Bill of Rights. I mean, that is really the only thing we have to keep government from getting crazily tyrannical, that when they want to start encroaching on that stuff, they need a reason to do it. 
And they can't just say, hey, we want to take your rights away because we think we're smarter than you or we think we deserve to get a bunch more money at your expense or whatever. They can't just come out and say it. So they say, hey, man, there's this big problem. Aren't you worried about this problem? And then everyone's like, oh, I'm totally worried. I'm worried. I'm worried. Oh, here's a solution. Now, it happens to be they created the problem in anticipation of the reaction just to get the policy they wanted before. And that's how I see us. That's basically, I think, how new policy is made these days. And that's why I am always skeptical when a problem is presented in the form of some terrifying mass event, mass casualty event or an atrocity. I'm always saying, look. If you're following this up by policy, I'm going to question the event if that's what people need to do to invalidate the policy. But what I I I'm happy to skip that stage and just say, hey, look at the policy. And if it encroaches on our rights or diminishes our rights in any way, reject it. Have the courage to reject it. If you if you respect people who died in the revolution to establish a free government, then you have to be willing to stand your ground for the principles, even if real or fake data events are thrown at you to try to get you to change your mind. It's a psychological warfare. And actually, I I want to play the clips of Snowden, I think, giving us, you know what, let's do that. Let's do the, the clips of Snowden kind of setting that problem reaction solution thing up for us. And he also mentions that we, there's a tension between what the government wants to do and the Constitution, and it's like, no, the Constitution was the resolution of the tension between what the government wants to do and is tempted to do and what we want to stop them from doing. The Constitution is the compromise. So we can play that clip later, but I really want to get to how, because this is where I think I've I've gotten some insight into the Snowden book tour that I haven't heard anywhere else. And I really wanted to understand it because it's very, he's put a lot of effort into this. So let's hear clip 25, please, Binkley. We need to identify the problem. And the central problem with smartphone use today is you have no idea what the hell it's doing at any given time. Like the phone has the screen off. You don't know what it's connected to. You don't know how frequently it's doing it. Uh, Apple uh, and iOS, unfortunately, makes it impossible to see uh, what kind of network connections are constantly made on the device and to intermediate them, going, I don't want Facebook to be able to talk right now. You know, I don't want Google to be able to talk right now. I just want my uh, secure messenger app to be able to talk. Uh, I just want my weather app to be able to talk. But I just checked my weather and now I'm done with it, so I don't want that to be able to talk anymore. And we need to be able to make these intelligent decisions uh, on not just an app-by-app basis, but a connection-by-connection basis. Okay, so he's telling us what the problem is. We need to control the connections on our phone, okay? So let's just, he brings that point home in clip 26. What we need to do is we need to make the activities of uh, our devices, whether it's a phone, whether it's a computer, whatever, uh, more visible and understandable to the average person and then give them control over it. Okay, so you've got it. The problem is the stuff is happening. The solution is you need control over it. Hmm. What could, what, what could the issue possible? That's great. Let's just do that. Well, hmm, clip 27. If you could see your phone right now, and at the very center of it is a little green icon that's your, you know, handset or it's a picture of your face, whatever. And then you see all these little spokes 
coming off of it. That's every app that your phone is talking to right now, or every app that is active on your phone right now, and all of the hosts that it's connecting to. And you can see right now, once every three seconds, your phone is checking into Facebook, and you can just poke that app, and then boom, it's not talking to Facebook anymore. Facebook's not allowed. Facebook's speaking privileges have been revoked, right? You would do that. We would all do that. If there was a button on your phone that said, do what I want, but not spy on me, you would press that button, right? Okay, that wasn't the the actual punchline I was going for, but that's foreshadowing of what he's asking for. This is what he wants. He describes what it looks like. Your face is in the middle. There's spokes. There's apps. You have to control that. You're going to press some buttons that's going to turn off the surveillance and everything of the app, okay? Now, here is where... This is where we lead to what's really going on. This is clip 28. That button is not does not exist right now. And both Google and Apple, unfortunately, Apple's a lot better at this than Google. Uh, but uh, neither of them allow that button to exist. In fact, they actively interfere with it because they say it's a security risk. And from a particular perspective, they, they actually aren't wrong there. Um, but it's not enough to go, you know, we have to lock that capability off from people because we don't trust they would make the right decisions. So he says that they are saying that if we had that kind of control, it could be a security risk and that we can't be trusted making those decisions. So... He says it's true. So he often in this, maybe in the next, at the bottom of the hour, we can play a few clips where he validates the government position. And that is for for people who like Snowden, that's really not what you think he's there to do. But he does it over and over and over again. And he's saying he always puts the motives as good. So Google and Apple say it's a security risk, which it is. But that's not enough to keep us from doing this, okay? And when he says, I should have played that Constitution clip, I will. Next, where he says, you know, this is all a, it's all a compromise. It's all a negotiation between freedom and security, blah, blah, blah. It's like, well, yes, that is what you're playing into right here. But I found this great article right before the break, uh, before the show, by Whitney Webb on Mint Press, I think it's called. I don't uh, anyway, so she says she points out what Barr has been doing lately. She said that because she was writing an article about what I was talking about earlier, his memo for pre-crime, where you're going to start surveilling people to see if they have ambiguous intent and might someday do something wrong or have anger or whatever. So she says on July 23rd, Barr gave the keynote address at the International Conference on Cybersecurity. And mainly focused on the need for consumer electronic products and applications that use encryption to offer a backdoor for the government, specifically law enforcement, in order to obtain access to encrypted communications as a matter of public safety. He went on to say that warrant-proof encryption is seriously impairing our ability to monitor and combat domestic and foreign terrorists. He was specifically referred to... Encryption used by, quote, consumer products and services such as messaging, smartphones, email, and voice and data applications. To overcome the resistance, this keeps going with the, this is all what Snowden was talking about, to overcome the resistance by some private companies who do not want to renege on their right to privacy by giving the government backdoor access to their devices 
and American consumers, Barr tellingly anticipates that a major incident may occur at any time that will galvanize public opinion on these issues. And then right after that, the El Paso, that there was actually a galvanizing issue. And then Trump came out and called for all this mental health stuff. But I feel like Barr is right here saying that the private companies, specifically the ones that Snowden was talking about, do not want to give up on privacy by allowing us a backdoor into all your information. So if, what if you were given the right to turn stuff off? Would then, a comp- then it would make things, for whatever reason, Snowden didn't explain, but he said it would be dangerous for us to turn things off. Well, there should be, maybe there's a compromise position where, okay, we're going to give you this ability to turn things off, but that makes things less safe. So now we have to bring the back door in that Barr wants. So I feel like that Snowden is setting us up for a compromise, and that is a big part of what his book and his book tour is about. More after the break. This is Monica Perez. That button is not, does not exist right now. And both Google and Apple, unfortunately, Apple's a lot better at this than Google. Uh, but uh, neither of them allow that button to exist. In fact, they actively interfere with it because they say it's a security risk. And from a particular perspective, they, they actually aren't wrong there. Um, but it's not enough to go, you know, we have to lock that capability off from people because we don't trust they would make the right decisions. So we were noodling about this over the break, and I wasn't 100% sure what Snowden there meant about why it would be a security risk or what the right decisions were. And it has to be, Binkley pointed out, it has to be that he's saying that terrorists or bad people are going to use it in a bad way, like stuff that they should be monitoring. They're going to be unable to monitor. Is that that's for sure what he means, right? I I think it has to be that terrorists can turn it off also. All right. So that's where Barr comes in and says, well, this is the government. How about only the government gets to listen? Facebook doesn't because that's the weird thing. I don't care if Facebook listens because, well, I mean, I kind of, Facebook is like the government to me, but I don't really care if Nordstrom wants to know what skincare products I need and then sells them to me. That doesn't bother me. But if the government's listening and doesn't like my politics and wants to incarcerate me, I want to I want to push the off button on that. And that is probably what they would consider not a right decision. But I want to do something that is a right decision, and I'm going to encourage People to call for the prize pack, which is awesome. A pair of tickets to see the Eagles. It's actually Eagles. Did you know that? It's Eagles, not the Eagles. Oh, wow. Yeah. (laughs) Fascinating. It drives me crazy because I like Eagles and I've gone to see them several times. Uh, To see their third and final show in Atlanta on Tuesday, February 11th at State Farm Arena. The tickets are on sale at Ticketmaster.com, but you can get a free pair if you're the first to call 404-741-0750. Right here on the Monica Perez Show. Monica Perez. It's a man house! A man house! On 95.5 WSB, Atlantis News and Talk. I am waking Atlanta up to the true threats to our liberty every Saturday from 3 to 6 right here on 95.5 WSB. If you can't find my show because of football, that's okay. Go to thepropreport.com, and there's lots of podcasts and fun stuff to listen to if you're jonesing. Uh, oh, Larry Polk of Stone Mountain won the tickets to Eagles 
So congratulations. <laughs> so we're going to do some more Snowden stuff. Here's the thing. So from the beginning, I have to say that uh, ahead of me, for sure, as always, when it comes to really cracking the code on stuff, was a, a blogger called at the time American Everyman. Now, he's nomadic everyman because he was also brought down by the purge of WordPress like I was. And he had the best Snowden stuff there was. He knew day one. He When Snowden went to the supposedly went to the airport in Moscow, this guy, American Everyman, put up a map of this cordoned off area of the of the airport where Edward Snowden was supposedly relegated to because of his status. And it was tiny. It had one small hotel which the people at the hotel said that Snowden was not staying there. And the entire press corps of the world was jammed into this tiny area that had one public bathroom, one coffee shop. That was it. And they were there for weeks and no one saw Snowden there. So at that point, I mean, that was in the beginning. It was like, there is something very fishy about this story. But uh, so he had all that documentation, which I think is gone. I don't know. You could check his site now, Nomadic Everyman. But for me, I had a lot of stuff too. And my main idea was that this guy was setting us up for, he was telling us what the problems were with the USA Patriot Act and that he was setting us up for them to fix the problems with that law, which, so I predicted that within a week of him coming out, if I recall correctly. And two years later, you get the USA Freedom Act, just like your Twitter handle, Binkley, you memorialized it forever at I Freedom did. X Radio, right? That's right. Why'd you do that? I just wanted to memorialize it for everyone. That was great. Well, I, I always think that it was really it was a red letter moment in uh, our history, and it came. It was the culmination of what I think was Snowden's efforts at the time, and it's funny because so so I thought it was a setup, and now in this interview. It's he sounds like one of those people from your war co- army war college podcast where he just like ticks off all of these all of these justifications, all of these narratives, all of these excuses for the deep state. I, but there's one I, I didn't tell you that I wanted to play clip 12. But actually, now that I'm making this point about it, about how. That was his original purpose in my mind was to actually get the stuff that he said was illegal to be legal rather than to get it to stop. And that is what happened. Can, can you play clip 12 real quick and then we'll get to the other stuff? The government's response to any scandal, and this applies to any country, is not to uh, make the activities of the person who is caught breaking the law comply with the law, but instead make the activities of the person who is breaking the law Uh, legal, right? They make the law comply with what the agencies want to do rather than make the agencies comply with the law. And if I had access to the media that I produced and put up on my business plan at WordPress instead of it getting destroyed in an unfair purging. The great purge. The great purge. You would hear that I predicted that way back when, as soon as he came out, I was like, he is setting us up to make that law allow for this stuff. And that's exactly what happened. So he continues. I think that's what he's doing with this in backdoor encryption stuff. I mean, it's not the exact same thing, but he's setting us up. So he's now established trust. He's established trust and he tells us to trust him throughout this interview. He says, if any, if the chemtrails were real, I would know about it because I looked and they're not. I'm like, okay, then 
What about solar radiation management? That's in Wikipedia. <laughs> like, what are you talking about? So, you know, I just, he just is telling you to trust him over and over again. He's making these, these stories about justifying actions and all that kind of stuff. And I'm going to play a few, I want to play a few of these examples of it. And I think clip 14, if you can start in the middle there, Binkley is a great place to start. From my perspective, you know, career spy is okay, right? Agreed. Um, If you have hacked a terrorist's phone, right, and you're getting some information about that, useful. Agreed, yeah. Uh, If you're spying on uh, a Russian general in charge of a, you know, rocket division, useful, right? Um, But there there are lines and, and degrees in that where it's not useful. Now, the examples that I just gave you, these are targeted. This is where you're spying on an individual their known named person uh, that is being monitored for a specific reason that is related. Hopefully broadly, from a warrant. People, right. Well, mm. even for foreign intelligence, in some uh, indications, you don't need a warrant strictly. Although I think they should have warrants for all of these investigations because they established a court for precisely this reason called the Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Court, right? Yeah. And there's not a judge in the world who wouldn't stamp a warrant saying, hey, uh, spy on Abu Jihad over here, right? Um, And if you want to uh, spy on uh, another guy, uh, Boris Badenov of the Rocket Division, right? That's okay. They're going to go with that. Um, But then you look at uh, these edge cases. And in the archive that I provided to journalists, there have been stories that have come out where they've spied on journalists, right? They've spied on uh, human rights groups. And these kind of things, uh, I think, uh, people miss. I'm going to throw up some slides here, so uh, forgive me if this gets weird. It's definitely weird. Yeah, it got weird a long time ago. (laughs) It got weird with those pictures of him as a teenager. Yeah. That is when it got weird. Boris Badenov? How long did it take him to come up with that one? (laughs) I don't even want to repeat the other one. Oh, my gosh. So, yeah, there's no warrant a FISA judge wouldn't love it's not like, oh, no judge wouldn't love these words. It's like, no, FISA. FISA is a rubber stamp. That was the scandal. That's been the, the, the scandal. He calls himself a career spy, which you pointed out. I mean. Why should I believe anything he says? He's referring to himself as a career spy. And he's talking like a spy in the edge cases. Who says that? Yeah. I mean, I feel like I'm listening to a like a, a, a Senate nomination committee, you know, like an, a... Um, when they validate whoever the next FBI director is going to be or interrogate them for that, hear a hearing for that. So, but he immediately opens up saying that kind of spying, you don't need a warrant for, even though you could have a warrant because it's completely targeted and specific. And they're like, some spying is totally fine. And, and the thing is, there's this, this secrecy, this pervasive secrecy is rarely necessary or okay. If you limited yourself to strictly just wars, like physical self-defense of the territory, there you you wouldn't be in wars all the time. You wouldn't be in a constant state of antagonism that justifies this nonsense anyway. But I do want to hear more of what he has to say. Let's do clip 13 next. These guys don't care about the law. These guys don't care about the Constitution. These guys don't care about the American people. They care about the continuity of government. They care about the state, right? And this is something that people have lost. Uh, 
We hear this phrase over and over again, national security, national security, national security, and we're meant to interpret that to mean public safety. But national security is a very different thing from public safety. National security is a thing that in previous generations we referred to as state security. Uh, national security was a kind of term uh, that came out of the Bush administration um, to run cover uh, for the fact that we were elevating uh, a new kind of secret police across the country. There's so many things wrong with that short clip. One is that he says national security was not a term that was used before Bush. Binkley, do you remember the first book you ever sent me? It's called National Security <laughs> and something else, right? Yes, and Individual Freedom. And it was written like in 1956 or yeah. something. <laughs> And uh, and I love the way he starts out. He's talking about the deep state. He's talking about deep state is just people who are not elected. The deep state is this. It's just the permanent government. And all they care about, all they care about is continuity of government. They're just pragmatists trying to keep you safe because that's all they care about. Really? They don't care about billions of dollars in IMF loans that end up in uh, oligarch friends, bank accounts. They don't. Think of being on the board of some foreign company when their father's in a position of power. Like, oh, no, no, of course not. You know what I'm saying? Like, this is it's crazy to think that these deep state guys or people who are operating in the shadows outside the law are doing it for a higher purpose than the law represents. It's it's impossible. Yeah. And he says it in such a matter of fact, NPR like voice tone. As well, that's just the, the whole absolute thing. truth. No, it makes you it's it's like it, it's up there with Greta. <laughs> it's it's <laughs> throttle worthy of that level of just and and like Greta, he does not take questions. Doesn't seem like. No. So the clip 15, which I want to hear next, is the one thing that drives me the most crazy when people say when every single president runs on an anti-war platform and every single president continues the warlike foreign policy of his predecessor. And they are often excused by the constituents because they say, well, I trusted this guy. And then he got in there and he saw how bad it was. He knows stuff we don't know. So uh, they just he had to just put the hammer down and and I trust him. It's like, why do you trust him? He's betraying what he promised you. And this is why. This is the same excuse everybody uses, clip 15. Every time a new president comes into the White House, uh, they get their clearances, right? They get read into all this stuff. Uh, during the campaign, they get clearances and they get read into and stuff. But when they finally become president, right, now they're the only people who can sign what these are called the covert action findings and things like that. Um, which are basically, you know, the intelligence community wants to assassinate somebody. They want to run this illegal program here, there, or everywhere. Um, and they can't do it because they're executive agencies without that top-level executive sign-off. Uh, and so they got to open the vest, right? they got to get these guys on, on side. Um, and uh, basically every president uh, since Kennedy, um, they have been successful in uh, what they call fearing up. So you get them on side and then fear them up. Fearing <laughs> guy, up. His jargon is maddening. That's but a new you, one. You can see where he lost his place. Yeah, I know. So when you're watching it, you can see like he's scrambling to his different like teleprompters to figure out where, where where to pick up the thread. We have time for the last one, clip 16. 
nobody nobody can have uh, perfect privacy and also have perfect security. So we got to sort of divide a line here between <laughs> the Constitution and you know what the government wants to do. The Constitution has the line in it. It's called the Bill of Rights. That's the line. That's the line. Yeah, but Snowden says we have to divide that up between that and what the government wants to do. Yeah, the starting point isn't the dividing line. That's that. That just means they get three quarters and we get one quarter. And if we only have one quarter of those rights, they are going to win. That's what's happening. That's what Cornyn is doing. That's what these everything but laws are doing. They're taking away everything but that last peg. And when they pull that out, the dam breaks. And that's that. But uh, but we've had fun. This isn't hasn't been negative. It's just funny because he's he's so ridiculous. And I I just wonder if he did more harm than good to his own credibility and Joe Rogan's with this performance. And that's the only word for it. Yeah, he's a pretentious nerd. <laughs> Dork. I'm a nerd. <laughs> I've been told that like nerds okay, dork is bad. So he's a nerd, but he's also a dork. Maybe. Yeah, he's 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 unlikable. There you go. He's a lot of things. We could definitely re- come up with a long list of adjectives to describe him. Maybe we'll do that and get to it after the break. This is Monica Perez. Monica Perez on ninety five point five WSB Atlanta's News and Talk. Boy, have we had a jam-packed show. We have really covered a lot of territory from the memo of Bill Barr to the Bill of Cronin, all of which point, in my mind, to pre-crime surveillance and punishment for pre-crime. Cutting-edge new stuff that they're going to propose Bar leading the charge on having backdoors into even consumer apps. And then we folded in Snowden and all his BS, in my opinion. But his his punchline after three hours of talking was that we need to be able to control consumer apps, even though that will make them more dangerous. And I think he's setting us up to be ready for a trade-off where we want more control over who's listening to us, but we accept that the government's going to have a backdoor because we trust the government to use it only to protect us from terrorists. But it's my position that the terrorism, the domestic terrorism, the drug war, all of these things were created or fostered as pretexts for these mechanisms of the totalitarian tyranny. And if I'm wrong then let them come up with something else that doesn't violate all of our rights. They created this digital universe for us. Why not? Why, why'd they do that? It's so dangerous. Anyway, we've got tons of this stuff on the Drive Time News Blast propaganda report. And don't forget to check out Free Man Behind the Wall on Monday for my interview there. This is Monica Perez.